I stand firmly in the fact that I'm one of the best to ever do this for the culture, for my coast, and for my city. This is the best rapper in LA podcast. 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 And I'm your host, Merce. 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 What up, though? What up, though? Best Rapper in LA Podcast. Welcome back. We're going to start track six on the end of the beginning. Maybe we'll get it done. But probably not, because we're talking about skateboarding. From gangbanging to skateboarding. This is the, the, the dichotomy, the duality, the, the realm I exist in. Same with skating. You know, not expert, but I have enough knowledge to be more than a mainstream fan of skateboarding. Uh, the song transitions as a writer. There's so much to talk about. Now I heard that heaven is a half pipe. Well, that's only half right. You don't have to skate birth to find your heaven on this earth. You can skate a parking lot and see it all for what it's worth. He'll flip 12 stairs and still receive your share. Southern California, as far as I know, is the birthplace of skateboarding. Um, Venice, Dogtown, whatever, that era. Yeah, this could be a whole fucking podcast and this whole shit you might want to skip because it might all be about skating. Where did I see it first? It's kind of like hip-hop, like being, where did I see gangbanging first? I, firsthand. Like, I didn't see it on TV or hear it, and then it affected me. Skateboarding the same way. I didn't see it on TV. I'm, yeah, it was just something I saw someone doing, and I was like, I want one of those. My grandparents took me to Big Five, and they bought me a heat zone skateboard from Big Five. It was orange with blue wheels. That was my first skateboard. My brother got a Veriflex with checker on bottoms. Probably 1986, 1985. From there, at the grocery store, I saw a Thrasher, Transworld. I had to buy that because just like the source, like, okay, there's something. I'm a nerd. So like, oh, there's something I can read associated with this thing that I like to do. So when I'm not doing it, I can read about it. And it was something that kind of just took over all of Southern California that, like hip-hop, crossed all boundaries. My friend Michael was a Mexican kid who lived down the street. We really He never played football with us because I'm assuming that he was probably into soccer, his family. But he had a skateboard and could ollie and could do 180s. And, like, you know, so he was with us. It just took over. It united the whole block where there was divides. The black and brown kids, we were, now we're all on the same page. Because we used to play tackle football in Linwood, but it was not, there weren't any brown kids playing with. Now, our skate posse has a couple brown kids. Called, even Cliff, the white kid I speak of, if anyone can find Cliff from Linwood, let me know. Went to Washington Elementary. But yeah, this united the whole city, the whole neighborhood, everyone, kind of like hip-hop. But even hip-hop was like, a, there was a musical. Like this, every little boy had a skateboard. Even if you didn't want to, you had to be cool and pretend like you liked skating in the mid-80s. Like, definitely, if you see any hardcore crips, they could probably kickflip. Hardcore pyro blood, like, if they're my age, they're in their 40s, they might have a cold-ass kickflip or at least a clean ollie. It was all, our whole generation took over, especially in California where it wasn't learned. It didn't have to be on TV. It was just, in essence, of, it came from, from Venice and just moved its way inside. So I'm sure it was on TV and I... And I at the time, but I didn't see it first on TV, as I as I recall. It's um, like one of those things too. Like when you see it once, then you start seeing it. Like your car that you think you've never seen that car before, and then you see it. Whatever that that theory is called. 
Then I started, uh, skateboard magazines had always been at Lucky's or wherever we were shopping. But Vons, Osco, do you remember Osco Drug? Oh, shit. Like, it always been there, but now I see it because this is, this is it, this subculture I'm into. That was the beginning. The Heat Zone skateboard. Then for Christmas, I put together a Spidey at Skin Sport from the Cerritos Mall. My mother was like, why does a skateboard cost $110 or whatever it was? OJ, I still remember, Adventure Trucks, OJ2s, risers, blue and, and, and light blue and, and black grip tape. I can almost remember every complete I ever had. We moved out of Linwood. I remember it being, I don't know what my mother recalls, but my one of the kids, one of the uh, other Latino kids that I met through skating and would babysit us once didn't really work out. I believe it was him stabbed his teacher at the junior high school, a hostler middle school that I was supposed to go to. And I don't know if the plans were in, in motion then, but we definitely got up out of there. And I started sixth grade in Covino, where this is the valley, not the valley, but the San Gabriel Valley. The valley that you guys hear about where the porn and all the skating is, that's Van Nuys, that's the San Fernando Valley. The other valley is San Gabriel Valley, Azusa, Glendora, San Dimas, Bill and Ted Valley. Uh, still skating, Raging Waters. I believe Montclair, Claremont might be in the SGV. West Covina, La Puente, Duarte. I believe Pasadena, like Arcadia, La Cañada, all these places. I'm If I'm fucking it up, SGV, I'm sorry. El Monte, uh, all these places. El Mani, is that better? Irwindale. Okay. This is the San Gabriel Valley. There are lots of lower... I thought they were... I thought they were well, really wealthy. As I grew up, I found out that they were struggling just like us. All white people were rich to me. But this was a lower to middle, middle class, maybe upper middle, maybe upper middle class neighborhood enclave outside of Los Angeles County. I believe it's outside of the county. They were skating. This is where the Uplands Pipeline. Upland Pipeline. I, I scoured the back of Thrasher Magazine because I'm a researcher, I'm a nerd, so I'm like geeking out. So all of my inner city friends, all of my, my black friends, for my 10th birthday or whatever it was, or 8th, 9th, 10th birthday, I said, we're going to Upland Pipeline. My mother, that's why she's the best, put everybody in my stepfather's Jeep Cherokee. More kids than should have been there because this is the 80s. We don't care about... <laughs> Okay, take a break. I'm not explaining this correctly. When I'm talking about the car situation, it's a Jeep Cherokee. There are three kids sitting in the trunk facing the rear. No seatbelts. There are three kids in the, in the back seat facing forward. And there is me in the front seat. And then there are six skateboards, one for every kid. This is the 80s. Before Buckle Up was a law, and I won't say before anyone cared, before Buckle Up was a law. Let's leave it there. Back to the story. I also read a book called Generations. I forget who it was by. My cousin Chris put me up on it, where they say, like, during the our generation of children, Gen Xers, this is when movies like Rosemary's Baby, The Shining, what is The Good Son, all these movies came out where children were demons. Like, these are the, we are the kids you left for dead for your career. We are the, and for survival, I'm not faulting my parents or lower income parents. Like, you had to survive in this capitalist society. Like, you know, like, 
we in World War II supposedly like we sent women to work and that was like a, a blow to the family um, taking women to do other jobs and careers other than to me the most important job on earth is raising your children whether the man or the woman somebody's got to focus on that shit because this is how we to me get off base morally and so many other ways and it's my generation's part of it so the boomers had these kids they had careers and also just to stay afloat I, you know we can always blame our beautiful government or the powers that be behind the government that have raised the bar financially so for my parents if they didn't want us living in a neighborhood where there was crime and death, like for fun on weekends in the mornings and the night we were sleepovers, we would listen to the shots and we would say, oh, that was a 22. Oh, that was a 44. Oh, that was a 12 gauge. And then we would all guess and then go into the alley and look for the shells to see who was right. This is not fictional. This is not me trying to be cool. This is what was happening. Where I, like the song, the Bataram, I saw the fucking Bataram before I fucking heard the song. knocked over a house that we used to walk to school in front of. Like, this is not fictional. So for in order for my parents to, or my mom and my stepdad to escape this for us, they had to work their asses off, which left us at home. But I think the sentiment was before that. Like, it's just, the kids will be all right. So we're three people sitting in the back, no seatbelts, three people sitting in the back, and then me sitting in the front with my mom. So we're probably six or seven, my little brother, and five of my friends for my birthday driving from Linwood to Upland, California, which is a 30 minutes on my drive, to get there and realize that you have to sign an insurance waiver. My mom is a black, at this time she's working in South Central at our dry cleaners. She has no idea that at a skate park, everybody's parent has to sign some type of insurance waiver. Of course they do, but we've never encountered that. Now, I've, this, this type of skating I've only seen on television and on videotapes because now we have fucking Animal Chin and Future Primitive and like, we're watching these videos and we want to get to these bowls. I've seen Upland on a video and it's 30 minutes away from me. I don't live in fucking Missouri, bro. Like, I'm right here. I got to see it. That's the kind of, as we like tell these stories, like when I got to New York, I had to go to Washington Square Park. That's where Supernatural is. I got to go uptown. I got to go to Staten Island. I got to what? Like, I'm going. When I go to other countries, I'm what? This? Yes. Let's go. And as part of coming from where I come from, like, what's, what's the worst that can happen? I, I live with that every day. Someone's going to rob me, pull a gun on me. So what? I'm out here. So part of me being out here and being adventurous, I convinced my mom for my birthday to drive us all to Upland. The worst day because all my friends had to watch me. And then there's a learning curve to dropping in. is different than Skating Street. My ollie really served no purpose in me learning how to drop in. And also, we're in Upland. There's not a lot of black people out here. I think they had just closed Paramount Skate Park, which was closer. But I think I also wanted to go to Upland because that was the one. Paramount was closer to Linwood, but I don't think it was in a lot of videos. Upland, I believe like Tony Hawk or Steve Caballero, someone says it, I think, in Animal Chin. So I had to go there. But there, no, like this is, I heard of Steve Stedham. Like that's it as far as black skaters. I think Ron Allen was just starting to emerge in on my radar. But none of the, the, the white kids there were like, hey, little black kid, this is how you roll in. This is how you drop in. Not that they were racist or anything, but I think it's just like, as, as we said with living life, like it's uncomfortable. 
Like we're our our parents are just throwing us in skate parks, throwing us in schools together. Like, hey, figure it out. I know for the past two hundred years it's been this way, three hundred years, but you guys work it out while we go to work. Like, hey, all the differences, all the shit the TV's telling you, or you may have heard me saying passing, or heard your grandfather, or uncle say about these people. F- fucking figure it out together on the playground with a fucking dangerous stick on wheels, and while you're while you're trying not to break your neck, also figure out generations of of hate and and genocide and. And all this other stuff. Go ahead, guys. So I'm sure I'm not blaming the kids. Like, they didn't know, like, what are these two black kids doing? So me and my little brother out there trying to, my little brother's trying to ride. I could see him now trying to ride on his knees, as he should. He's probably in kindergarten or something. But also being a family, you know, like, if you have that type of parent, like, your brother's going with you. My brother and my kids will be the same way. You do everything with your brother. And I could have probably been a better big brother. Sorry, Nate. But how long did my friends, my other six friends or five friends, want to stand out there and watch us? So it was very short-lived. We got back in the car, and I remember we were listening to Fishnet by the Morris Day of the Time. Fishnet. And my homie Marcus, was he was the bad kid. <laughs> he knew all the words. I remember my mom very square, like, what the fuck is he singing? And we're all just quiet. I'm probably crying like a baby in there, emo as fuck in my Pisces feelings or whatever. And so there's these things. We're in the carpool lane. Like I said, we're all sitting very illegally because who gives a fuck, right? Also, too, my our parents grew up in an era where cars were made out of steel. This Jeep Cherokee was the first one that was kind of like the tinfoil doors, the aluminum. When they kind of start skipping shit on the Jeep and skipping shit on cars. Like, you don't got your seatbelt on in a fucking Bel Air. It's a fucking tank. These were the beginnings like of aluminum car, aluminum foil cars. So I don't, you know, my mom wasn't trying to do anything harsh. It's just, you know, like, okay, a bunch of kids get in the car. We, you know, I don't, I don't remember seatbelts. We were enough of us died that they started making people wear seatbelts. Like we are the, we are the generation, bro. Like drink out of the water hose, fuck lead poisoning, like asbestos, all this shit. It's us. We that's us. Oh, man, fuck. (laughs) I got the clearance. I'm going to play this song, Cyclotron. It's really relevant to this episode. It probably won't make the album. It will probably never be heard anywhere but here. So I'm going to play like the first 12 bars or so. Produced by Belief. And I'm reviving it from the cutting room floor of Love and Rockets 316. Yo, 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 yo. They make stranger things about y'all Y'all ain't never stole things from the mall Been cooking dinner for three since I was eight When moms work late, I would leave her out of plate We used to pee in jars and use VCR So many neon lights, we couldn't see the stars Lead poisoning twice, I should be dead My best friend DDT'd me on my head On the sidewalk, I said it didn't hurt Kitchen with the easy bake oven, I was whipping dirt Slinging mud pies, everybody ate them My little brother said no, so we made them unsupervised you know how much glue we try you can eat it or sniff it and get super high doing whip inside of whipped cream canisters and slide a skateboard down a 30-foot banister live from the cyclotron and beyond we grew up in the 90s now we the bomb we about to blow up we didn't grow up they say the world's about to end so what live from the cyclotron and beyond So there's the, the carpool lane and there's these, which I didn't know at the time, there's these uh, dividers, like these little, they're made of plastic, but I didn't know at the time, like 
little reflective poles, posts that divide before there were just double lines. In early L.A., uh, there were to keep the car keep you out of the carpool lane when you weren't supposed to merge. There were just these reflective posts. So everybody's so sad, and my mom's fed up because she's put seven motherfuckers, seven little black boys in her car and driven them to fucking out of tarnation to pay this money to do this thing. We did. She's frustrated, I'm sure, now that I'm a parent. And so she just jerks the car to the right and runs over all of them plastic things. We think we're all about to die because my mom here hit, because we assume they're metal. Like, we've never, no one's ever driven over them with us. And that was the icebreaker. And it became the funnest day ever because, of course, like a near-death, like when you realize you're alive, it's just not that bad. You're good. And my mom was a genius. She saved my birthday. It was memorable. And it ended on a, on a high note. I think we all went back to the neighborhood to play football, have fun. But that was an uh, early indication that I was really in love with skateboarding. So I stayed with it when I lived in the Valley, made friends that were skaters, um, broke my foot skating. Uh, first time hip-hop and skating, one of the reasons my mom be like, don't go out and do this. And I'd, if there was somebody, like my friend Ryan built a quarter pipe. We helped him build it in his backyard. I was skated it, and when I wasn't, my mom told me not to get on the ramp. I got on the ramp, I broke my foot. Yeah, skate, I just been in love. Like calling my mom outside to see me ollie, she doesn't get it. You know, one weekend she would take us all to Transitions, which was a park in, in LA that we'd have to drive to. And then the next week, my friends' parents would say, we're taking it, and my mom be a typical black mom. Like, of course, it was like, you're gonna break your neck. Why are you out there? And then it was also like, well, you just went last week. And why? I was like, mom, because I just learned how to drop in on the eight-foot mini ramp. And now, like, next week, I want to try to drop in on the 12-foot one. Like, come on. Like, we're all doing And, you know, when you're doing it with your crew, like, everybody, if you don't drop in, too, then, you know, you're a wuss or whatever it was back then. And so, like, we're all encouraging each other to, to face our fears. But if I don't go next weekend, then I miss everybody level up. So I don't get to level up. But my mom just thought like, okay, you're focusing too much on skating. Do something else. Like, it's not, like, let it be football. I can practice three days a week. I can play every Saturday. But skateboarding, and also I think my mom didn't want me, I don't know if it was like a racial thing, like she didn't want me to look like charity. So she was okay when she could take me and my white friends, but she didn't want the white friends' parents taking the, you know, maybe taking the black kid. Like, I was paying my own way to get in, like, gas money, like, whatever. But whatever. So whatever it was, it made her uncomfortable and of course, these are things like there was no money in rap. There was no money in skateboarding. There was, you couldn't grow up and esports wasn't going to be a thing. So video games was a waste of your time. Skateboarding wasn't, you couldn't make money doing that. So it was going to be a waste of your time. Rap, same thing. It was a fad. All these things were were fads that became, if I could have, wouldn't have been allowed to focus. With my intellect, had I been allowed to focus and continue to do these things, I think I would have been, you know, I maybe not have been a great skateboarder, but could have, you know, owned a company. I would have figured it out with my entrepreneurial spirit thanks to my parents and and my, like, insatiable desire to know everything and anything about the things that I love. I stay in touch with skating. We moved back to Mid-City. My parents got divorced three years. I had three years of, like, valley life. It was back to the hood, and that was survival. There was no skating. And I had hip-hop, which was a lot easier. You didn't get broken bones. You weren't going to get chased. You know, one was, you know, I didn't... It didn't involve me going to different neighborhoods, and I wasn't really involved. But then I met the Scapper Mob. Scapper Mob. Skater, rapper, mob. A group of kids who love skateboarding and real hip-hop. Sorry I didn't give the definition. I thought it was self-explanatory. Maybe it was. Back to the story. 
But then I met the Scapper Mob and I met Belief and, and Ariel and Steve. We were like, oh, I'm like, okay, skaters, boom, found skating again. And, and hip hop, and it was mixed. And I started being able to sell some of my promo records at the skates, uh, you know, while the some of the pros were flipping boards. And I was able to like get introduced to like uh, Shiloh Greathouse, Javante Turner. Kareem Campbell, I'm like, oh shit, they're fucking black skaters. They have shoes. Stevie Williams, like all these things, like oh, black culture. And it finally caught up because when I was into it in the valley, there was I was you know going to certain spots. I could have to fight for being black. There were definitely skinheads, all that shit. So now I'm with Scapper Mob, and it's like okay, Asian kids, black kids, Jewish kids, we're all fucking mobbing in this courthouse in West LA to skate. But they were doing street, and I was more of like a vert person. There was still a lack of parks in Los Angeles proper. So you had to skate the courthouse or there were like these steps. In Littlewood, we had kitty banks. Like we were able to, we ran across the whatever, 605, 17, wherever freeway and down into a drainage ditch to skate. I was fucking, this thing, I rode my skateboard a mile to the freeway with my friends, then ran across the skateboard, ran across the freeway with the skateboard into a drainage ditch. Like, it was the exit ramp to the freeway, but still running across the freeway. Do you run across the Like a Live freeway? I don't want to exaggerate it, but to skate a drainage ditch. Ran back across the skateboard at a mile home, basically. The 605-17 exit by the casino and the Wiener Stencil, they used to be there if you're from L.A. Kitty Banks was a skate spot. This is, this is what we were <laughs> allowed to do, man. <laughs> My kids would never... <laughs> <laughs> it used to be so fun, we run from cops at the spots Making magic, wreaking havoc in your local parking lots Now let's rock I become a rapper and move to the Bay Lose touch with skateboarding I meet Aesop the Black Wolf He's a skater from Vin Vin Fresno He's amazed to find somebody else that's black We're living in East Oakland Shout out to Jamie, he has hustle skateboards now We met Jamie And at this point, like I learned to skate from watching people around me and watch TV. I didn't know you can't push Mongo, so which fucks up my balance on my on my back foot um, when you push Mongo. Pushing Mongo, meaning I think it's Mongoloid. I didn't make it up. Stupid, you're an idiot because you are a caveman, barbaric. Pushing with your back foot, meaning the front, the 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 foot closest to the heel or tail of the skateboard. So when you're ollieing, you, I, who push Mongo, have to put my front foot back on the board and then step back and position my foot correctly on the tail. Because when you're pushing, your foot's kind of in the middle of the board. So now I have to move, adjust both of my feet if I'm approaching a curb or something. And all of my weight, like I said, is on the back foot. Should not be. You should push with your front foot on the board. So all you have to do when you approach your curb is put your, your front foot's already in place and you put your back foot on the tail. Ali to roll. It's time to relearn that now. And I'm teaching my kids the proper way. And I pushed Mongo my whole life. I didn't know, you know, when we would skate rails, they would say, oh, you're goofy-footed because that's what the older, like, Mexican cool kids who could skate would tell me. Oh, you're goofy-footed. Just, you approach the curb and you pop out and you board slide. Rail slide, as we used to call because you had actual rails on your board. But what they were saying was that I pushed Mongo 
And that wasn't, it just wasn't, like your balance is on your back foot. So if you do a board slide, you push Mongo, you're used to keeping your weight back when you're skating. So you're going to fall down, bust your ass every time. Like I didn't learn the physics of skateboarding until very recently. But so for all intents and purposes, there's no word for skateboarding fan. There's only the word poser. So I, I was a poser. Like I just, I'm a skateboarding fan. I can't really skate that well. I mean, Aesop, he can skate a lot better than me. Jamie can skate a lot better than me, but I understand the culture. I know the names. I know the parts of the board. Like I said, I know Aesop Rock. I know Merce. Like, I may not know some deeper underground heads. I may not know every rapper that's on Heavyweights and Project Blow, but I know enough uh, to be welcome into the circle. So we start going to FTC. FTC doesn't really give a fuck that we're in Living Legends. They don't really show us a lot of love. And then I go to skate in EMB, and it's the first time I was vibed. I, I didn't understand vibe. Like, we went to skate at EMB. I'm not very good, but I'm trying to skate the ledge. And um, and once again, like, I'm not a street dude. I'm not noticing that yet. Um, but, you know, me and Aesop, like, we come from East Oakland to go skate EMB. And, bro, the, I got vibe, meaning, like, they are mad-dogging me, like, snaking me, like, doing shit, like, being dicks. And me, I'm from the hell. I'm like, I'll fuck you up, cuz. Like, what the fuck do you mean? And it's like, Aesop was like, let's just go. Let's just go. Or whoever we were with were like, don't, it's not about that, bro, or something. They're like, yeah, that's how it is in the city. If you're not good, they're going to vibe you, bro. And I'm like, man, I'll kill one of these motherfuckers out here with this skateboard, bro. I, to me, the logic of like, why would you try to play tough with me when I'm holding something I could beat you to death with, you dumb motherfucker? Like, I'm not out here to play. I, it's skateboarding. Like, why are we being, like, everywhere I went outside of gangbanging, I, and people had that aggression that's typical amongst especially young men, I'd be like, bro, why are we doing, I'm doing this to escape that. And then you're bringing that energy here and I'm going to meet it with the force and intensity that from my environment, males that don't wish to participate in these aggressive games don't gangbang and we don't exude that aggression. So when I encounter that aggression from other men who aren't ready to die over the shit, it really baffles me. It used to. I'm like, why would, how fucking, like, what the fuck, man? I am trying to escape this. Like, we're skateboarding. Isn't this supposed to be all peace and love and grip tape and, you know, elbow bruises and whatever the fuck, shin, shin, shin splints or whatever the Come on, man. So then I went back. We would just skate around the warehouse, watch videos, me and Aesop. And then Living Legends started to really bubble. And I don't know how it started, but I went, when I moved to Buena Park, I went into a skateboard shop where someone invited us I think they'll know better, but I went into Liberty Board Shop, and that's when I met my first pro skater. It was the welcome I was hoping to get at FTC. Like, being a local artist had finally paid off. Like, people had heard of me, and they wanted to, like, give me a discount. Give me free shit. Like, oh, shit, here's a T-shirt. We'll do, I'll, I'll do complete. You want to come skate with us? Brea Skate Park, the first free local skate park I ever went to. Wow, okay. And they're going to be patient with me. Like, no one ever mentioned that I pushed Mongo. They just, Mercer's with us. That's dope. James Craig, Gershon, Danny Garcia, Evan, Shifu Bine, like all these, Justin, Aaron, uh, Cassidy, who I think does Rasta Clot now. Like this is like the crew, Joe Winnegar, like all these people. Matt Pendrell owned the shop. Shout out to him. Luis, like this was my family. Like they just like, it was like, oh, it was like hanging out at the record store again. Like when me and Double K and my homie Terry and Chase Infinite would all hang out at Martin's Records on Pico. Like it was that culture that, oh shit, I'm at the skate shop, like the barbershop. Like I'm just going to talk shit 
with my homies. But like usually, like barbershop is very like sports, hoes, misogyny, aggression, or like all that fucking aggro typical shit. Music, the comic shop, record shop. Record shop was a little less comic shop, a lot less skate shop somewhere in between the comic shop and the record shop. Like we talk about girls, but it's not a lot of bitch and hoe. It's an independent sport, so like everybody's talking about, oh, like, yeah, we skated flatland chicks, we did some slappies, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, you could, you know, and then there'd be a pro skater in there too, and everybody's just kind of like, cool, like, nobody's really being a dick. Like, Kershawn, like, doesn't even like to, at that time, wouldn't even, like, sign autographs for kids. They would think he's a dick, but he's like, bro, he was so nice to kids, man. Like, and he was another kid from Compton that was just, just gnarly and amazing and, like, really not bringing that mentality. He didn't even want to bring the super talk, like, very just organic, anti-capitalist, just from a very, like, just amazing human. Like, G-Mos is somebody I heard about. He was the best skater in the area. To me, like, you know, like, objectively, he didn't hold himself. He just wanted to skate and have fun. Kind of like just me, the way I made my music. Like, ah, I mean, I, I could still learn a lot from Gershon. But uh, James, the same way. Like, James was just a cool dude. And so I go to his house, and he has a fucking machine. He hurt his knee, and he has a machine that's like, contracting and, or, you know, like relaxing, contracting, relaxing, contracting his knee. We're watching videos in his his apartment. And I'm like, yo, like, where do you work? <laughs> what do you do? I'm trying to figure out the angle. Like, this cuz sell dope. Are we hanging out? Like, so I asked him, like, how many contests do you have to win to afford all this? And he's like, what? He's like, uh, and then he explains it to me. So for those of you who don't know, me being a black kid and being a rapper in an inner city black, I don't know. And most, I think, humans don't know. If you're a skateboarder at this time, from the way I understood it, you get paid from your board sponsor. Let's say it's 20 grand a year at that time. You have a truck sponsor, which is independent trucks. They give you 10 to 15K a year. You have a grip tape sponsor. They might give you 2,500 to 5,000 a year. You have a wheel sponsor, a bearing sponsor. All these sponsors add up to, you know, I think at the time, I, I think I walked out thinking like he made between like 65 to 80K a year. And he didn't have to enter one contest. Now, on top of that, you get photo incentive. So if you have to do an ad for your board sponsor, let's say it's Santa Cruz, and you're wearing an independent truck sponsor t-shirt, I don't know if it still works like this, but you will get paid from independent an extra $500. But it's your job. They're paying you to wear it anyway, use the product. But if you're wearing something that says it in your Santa Cruz board ad for your board, which you get $1.50 on every board sold, which is amazing, because you actually get paid that amount. On top of your salary, you'll get photo incentive for wearing the independent T-shirt in the Santa Cruz board ad. That Depending on which magazine, if it's Thrasher, there's different prices for Thrasher at the time, Big Brother, uh, Transworld. Uh, and I think Slap was around. Those are the major four, the big four, I believe. If you're just in a random skate section that, okay, because they, they're just random photos that local photographers would take, of skaters that are making a magazine, they get paid for putting the photo in there and then you would get paid for your company if you were in the random part. If you're in an interview, you get paid. So he's like, there's all these ways to get paid, but if I don't do anything, um, I don't say anything, but like if I just skate, like there was a, a, a Gideon, I don't have a lot of experience with Gideon Choi, but he was around, but he wasn't like with us, like hanging out all the time or, you know, he was just really good. And cool, you're, you know, he still got a check. Like everyone's getting taken care of. Shoe sponsor, forgot about that. If you ride for Circa, you get... And also, you get free boards, free clothes, like everything that I would spend my money on buying, they were getting for free and getting paid to do something. There is not a world where rappers are taken care of that way. And 
just to be point blank, like we set the tone even in skate culture. The mu- the music, whether it's punk, sets the the dress style. Everything is influenced by the music first. But musicians aren't given the same love or opportunities that these athletes are given in this subculture. It blew my fucking mind. I should have been a skater. I was thinking all the time, man, mom, why didn't you let me skate? You don't have to sell your own tape. You're not packaging up. They don't have to go on tour. They maybe do one little, like, but on their tour, they get to skate. And it's, <sighs> through them, I met my good friend, Justin Martin. Justin Martin, I don't know if he had dreads at the time. Aaron, who's the, the youngest kid, came up with the Mercer's My Best Friend thing. And I think even Mercer's Better Than Your... No, Mercer's Better Than Your Favorite Rapper, I stole from Limp Bizkit. Um, But so if it wasn't for Aaron, I wouldn't have the Mercer's My Best Friend t-shirts. If you've seen them, it's me like drawing epic uh, stick figures. He came up with that. Justin Martin had a group called Patchworks and... His homie Rob and him would draw shit. Rob, I think, draws. And they produced together, put me on the music. We're getting music in 411, which was a video magazine at the time. It's another thing you got incentive for if you were in 411 wearing the clothes that you already got paid to wear, skating the hardware that you already paid to skate, wearing the shoes you already paid to wear. You would get more money. It's funny how these subcultures that also a lot of non-black and brown kids are involved in They take care of their kids. Anyway, Justin did music, amazing music. When I had my chance to do Def Jugs, I don't know if he made the beat first or whatever, but he made this beat that actually had skate sounds. This is before Kick Push. I wanted to make a skate song because the only skater I knew, there was a skating in the Deeper State of Show video from Urban Dance Squad. I think a big audio dynamite kind of like music skating. That was kind of black music. And then Skate Master Tate, shout out to him, much respect. T-A-T-E-R-S. He's the best. was really coming around to skateboarding. Tony Hawk Pro Skater came out. We used to only be a half 720, which used to cost 50 cent to play at the arcade. And it was, whew, man, it was expensive and challenging to play. So you would waste your quarters playing the slalom or whatever. Time for a commercial. Beach Hut Deli in Reno. My homies Todd and Scott run this. They own this. They used to have 720. Now they have great beer sandwiches and a couple video games. I don't know if they kept a 720 video game. Great graffiti. More importantly, they have one of the longest running hip hop shows on terrestrial radio. And they now have an app for it where it's the independent, amazing music that we all grew up loving on an app that plays 24-7 and it's clean version so you can introduce it to your kids. This is important. I don't know if they like me to harp on it, but it's important because it's radio-friendly, Aesop Rock, Blueprint, 
Merce, Crouch, Reverie, Mac Miller, Mac Lethal, Conscious Hip Hop, Clean Versions, 24-7. All their shows are archived. There's an amazing interview with Slug that I haven't even begun to listen to yet, but the clips I've heard have been amazing. That's live on there right now as well. It's free. Download the Bomb Shelter app, and if you're in Reno ever as ski season approaches, it's important to stop by the Beach Hunt Deli in North Reno before you go up to Tahoe or wherever it is you're skiing or snowboarding and on your way back to the airport. It's a great place to stop. The sandwiches are amazing. They even have vegan options. Great beer, big screen TV for all sports ball occasions. Check out Beach Hut Deli Reno and download the Bomb Shelter app. Also, follow DJ.com on Twitch. DJ, D-O-T-K-O-M. Or you can follow, follow the Bomb Shelter Hip Hop or the Bomb Shelter on Instagram. Word. Skating is getting more popular. There's shoes. There's there's money. Justin makes this beat. I want to rap to it because it actually has skate sounds in it. Using skate sounds to make a beat has never been done. You can hear the grinding, the tail slaps, taps, all that. I want it to be really technical. Dogtown Z Boys, the biopic, and the documentary come out. We're from Venice. It was dirty. It was filthy. It was uh, paradise. Our history is based on low riders and hot rods. It was Dogtown, and Dogtown was a place where you had to have eyes in the back of your head. There wouldn't be any X Games if it wasn't for that whole scene. Most of us came from broken homes. Yeah, skate culture is on the rise again. Kind of had a lull, and uh, it was back with a vengeance. You watch a CKY, like all these things are happening that will become jackass. You know, Rob Deerdeck is skating well and will become Robin Big, which becomes ridiculousness. And like skating and hip hop are very much tied together. And now they're really tied together of getting songs placed in skate videos. And people ask me, should I get like 401 was paying, which was great, but I was like, use my video, use my shit, just use it. I just like it to be used in skate videos. To this day, if you put my song in a skate video, I don't care. I went made one of my best friends. So the story about Tucson and the and the thing was because the guy, I think that if you go back and listen to, uh, I don't know which uh, episode it was, but uh, they didn't want to fly me down. The guy, the promoter didn't want to fly me to Tucson and Mystic Journeyman demanded it. And uh, he wanted to see a skate part in his video and he used Sunspray by 3MG to cover his part. And I was like, wow, you didn't want to fly me down, but you're using my music in your skate park. I didn't even want to charge him. <laughs> it's an honor. I love the sport. I don't know if I will call it, it's an art. My son's dabbling it. There's five skateboards at my house to this day. I made that song because I love it. I shot Christian Asoy was locked up. He's out and gave his life to Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Christian Asoy. That's great. Uh, Jay Adams is no longer with us. Uh, he's kind of referenced the Dogtown verse, verse slides. I got to meet him when I was sponsored by Hurley. I was scared, like, not scared, but like, oh, shit. Like, you know, it's like when you meet someone that's like gangster and like hectic and like, like Tony Alva. I met Tony Alva when I met Steve Van Doren at some Zoomies retreat. Steve Van Doren is a guy who basically invented Vans, but it's like he was telling a story about how Tony Alva used to just come by and convince him to convince his dad to make a skate shoe. That's how Vans off the wall all it started was because Tony Alva and Steve. Apparently, Steve like headbutted Antonio headbutted Steve and broke his nose because he felt like the Warp Tour destroyed punk rock. And here I am in a bar with him. Twenty years later, Tony is sober and he's telling me the story. And with Steve, and Steve is I'm not not sorry. I'm sorry. Kevin Lyman. 
It's Kevin Lyman, who's founded Warped Tour, Steve Van Dorn, and Tony Alva. The guy who started Warped Tour, the guy responsible for, partly responsible for being skating, being huge, Tony Alva, and the guy with the makes the skate shoes. And we're all, we're all in the bar. Sounds like a joke. And then they're telling me, like, how, yeah, that's what Tony, like, punched Steve or headbutt, broke his nose or something because he said he was destroying punk rock. And now Tony was sober, and they were all friends again. And it was it was just a great moment to see, like, I feel like that's how... I wanted to be when I grew up, you know, like, okay, like, yeah, we used to do this and that, but whatever. We're, we're dads, husbands, humans. It's all good. It was it was a great thing for me to see. And to see, like, that's what I love about punk and skate culture. Like, Tony Alva didn't have a fucking chain on and gold teeth and pull up in a Bentley with fucking security. This is fucking Steve Van Dorn. Like, he runs Vans, motherfucker. He's just at the bar wearing Vans. And a Vans button up with some Vans shorts talking to some random black rapper kid that he doesn't even know. But they got the crazy hair. Like, we're just hanging out. The guy who invited Warped Tour is talking to me about advice with marriage and shit. Like, none of these motherfucking rappers that have been around this long are that approachable. Very few of them, if they're not hieroglyphics or a certain amount. But man, like, where is that community with hip-hop? And this, this type of community would lead me to create pay dues, being on Warped Tour, being around skaters. Like... I knew that me and my friends, me and Atmosphere and L and and Ace and and uh, you know Lucky and Crouch and Sunspot, like we're all cool. Like even like Sage, like Cage, like all these dudes. Doom, like I got on my Doom's Doomsdays, Halloween. I got on my Doom Polo rugby, my Doom sneakers. Like, like we're all like backstage hanging out at Pay Dude, Sean Price. Like it may not be the vibes of mainstream rap, but this is the vibe: skating, surfing punk like this, this aesthetic these vibes are are underground hip-hop vibes and that's why i created pay dues like i want people like that to be able to just fucking hang out man chill the fuck out bro like all the fuck like we're all gonna get old and experience loss and pain and and let's come out the other side friends and loving this culture that brought us so much wealth and experience and when i say wealth like experience is tied into the money and and tied and tied into enlightenment or just everything like why can't we have that with mainstream rap and fuck it fuck them we have it um with us i appreciate the 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 camaraderie uh, Keenan Milton wanted to give a shout out to him at the end because he passed away. Like, it's very relevant, you know, always with me, like, very nerdy into the details. This is why Kick Push did better than this song. It's, you know, it, this, my song is too intricate. There's a lot of poor rapping. I'm using the fucking, the same format for the hook. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's Um, you know, it happened to me, it's happened to me again, like the Macklemore thing with he made the same, the same sex marriage song and I made animal style. When I was in the third grade, I thought that I was gay because I could draw. My uncle was and I kept my room straight. I told my mom, tears rushing down my face. She's like, Ben, you've loved girls since before pre-K. Tripping. Yeah, I guess she had a point, didn't she? Bunch of stereotypes all in my head. I remember doing the math, like, yeah, I'm good at Little League. A preconceived idea of what it all meant. But those that like the same sex have the characteristics. The right-wing conservatives think it's a decision. And you can be cured with some treatment and religion. Man-made rewiring of a predisposition. He made a fucking pop song. I didn't make a pop song. I made a very intricate, heartfelt story. And that's okay. Both, both need to exist. 
Fresh out of high school, glad cause he hated it. Everybody in the senior class would call him gay, but it, it never bothered him. His name Jonathan, best friend Julie, she was cool, she went to prom with him. The principal said prom was no place no for a place queer for couple. If he showed up with the boy, then there'd be real trouble. Empty threats, but what really got to him is had his boyfriend didn't want to go to prom with him. And I'm trying, maybe hopefully I can get a pop hit of this last album, but you know, this is me. I'm detail-oriented. I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. I'm going to give you more. I'm not going to be in the pocket, but it's going to be authentic. And the song resonated with so many people. Um, one of the best things that happened with me performing the song was that I got booked to do a skate jam in the big room at First Ave, which I always do 7th Street Entry, which is a little club. I can't. I do two shows there because I can't do one big show to pack out the main room on my own. But because it was involved with the skate jam, and I, you know, maybe I almost was there, I got to do headline the main room for once. And uh, they had a half pipe on stairs. And the pop from the crowd, when I, when I actually could drop in, because a lot of rappers make songs about skating and reference skating and can't drop in. The fact that I dropped in on the ramp was like one of the biggest reactions I've ever... Like, I've come out and done felt songs in front of 30,000 people at Soundset. That was still one of the biggest, like, oh, shit moments. Like, oh, shit. I don't know if it's because I'm a black kid or I'm a rapper or whatever, all of it. And it was like, or just because rappers lie about everything. Like, no, I could, I could drop in. I could kick turn. I could carve. I could maybe axle stall if I'm lucky, fakey, and not bust my ass. Like, you know, anything eight feet and under. Back then, I, you know, I'm dropping in. Maybe 10 feet. Grip it and rip it. That's what I love about skate culture, bro. I remember being somewhere, more skate store. Like, I remember going to Lin, back to Linwood to Bateman Hall where we used to try to grind in front and then there was a board slide part and the cops would chase us and then driving through there and seeing that they built a skate park across right across the street. Not like down the block, right across the street where we used to risk getting arrested to skate. And I just went to the park. I didn't have a board. After this, I started carrying a board in my car a lot off, more often because I didn't know like you. this is when skate parks started to be like early 2000s skate parks started to pop up a lot of places. Now there's skate parks. There's a great skate park that's built in Inglewood. Like, what the fuck, man? Where was this? I just got out of the car and saw the kids skating. I was like, hey, bro, let me get that. I just had to ask, like, you have no idea what me and my friends went through so that they would build this for y'all. And I just dropped in, rolled across the bowl, rolled, you know, did a little quick line and gave him his board back and jetted. But I was like, hey, bro, you got to come up off of that right now. I, I I did. We did. We we sweat. We 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 dodged some bullets for this. literally <laughs> figuratively dodged some bullets for this. I'm sure. Man, like skating a lawn tramp in the middle of the street. Like that's the thing. Like we would watch Animal Chin. I remember watching Animal Chin at the homie's house. I'm not gonna say his name. And in the backyard, we stopped watching it to go outside to watch people get put on neighborhood crib in Linwood. Like set on. I can still see myself sitting with a skateboard. On the on the on the brick wall in the backyard, watching them put people on, and me and the homies being like, "All right, when we get to sixth grade, this is it. This is what we're doing. We're, we'll get jumped into watching someone get beat up, and like that was an honorable thing. And there's so much, you know, like I said, visceral, primal, testosterone shit going on there. But that was a real thing for us, man. Like watching, and then being like, "Yeah, that's next." But um, I stuck with the skateboarding more than the cripping. I'm glad, and I'm glad we moved. It was an opportunity. Uh, through all the negative shit, I'm grateful that I got out of there. Took us being in a very abusive, uh, drug-infested uh, household, but it got me out of, at least the drama was only in the house. When I was outside the house, when you're a latchkey kid, you're outside more than you're inside anyway, so it worked out. Man, 
so much shit to go through our mind. It makes me think of like all oh, what we're going to be coming out of this pandemic and this lockdown, thinking about the kids that got forced to stay inside with those type of people. Fuck, man. Like that shit hasn't even surfaced yet, bro. Because there's so much still much crazy shit going on. I'm sorry to end this, getting close to the end of this one on a down note, but fuck, man. Lighten up. So we got a lot of work to do. Skating. I still skate. People always ask that. Yes, I love it. I'll never stop loving it. My children skate, and they've all, almost all of them have busted their face open from face planting. Um, but my wife is from Encinitas, California. You know, let's spend a lot of time in Encinitas so she understands skate culture. My wife, I got her a longboard for Mother's Day. She still won't ride it because she's a mom now. But eventually my goal is to get us all skating somewhere at some time and have some type of bowl or something in the house. It's just essential to self-development. I'm so parallel to indie rap and such a, a sport where you have to risk it. Oh, that's what I was saying. I was skating somewhere in Hawaii, I think somewhere, little white dude. I was at the top of the ramp being a straight up bitch, bro. And he, <laughs> sorry to be or asshole, uh, uh, a dick, bitch, a hoe. Not dropping in. And little white dude came up two times. The next time, he little dude, probably five, six years old, little like, what do they call him, toehead, like blonde kid. You can see his little shaggy hair sticking out of his helmet. Hey, man, just gripping and rip it, bro. <laughs> and then I had to drop in. I busted my ass, but I had to drop in because like, that's skating, bro. That's gangbanging. It's just like, yo, like you see someone with the wrong color on, get out. So when I ask you where you're from, like that part of it, that that not having fear to do the shit that you're scared of, like crossing that line is the good part of it. Skating is the best part because all you're going to do is hurt yourself. With gangbanging, you hurt yourself, you hurt other people. Um, but like, you know, a fight, a, a, a bruise, a scraped knee, like get back up. Go for it, man. Like that is that is the goal. What I want to teach my my kids, like, be be aggressive in the right way. When no one is skating, is that thing when no one is looking? Are you aggressive? Are you going to practice? I remember walking through Nordstrom's, skipping, trying to learn the ollie. I was obsessed. My mom was so annoyed. Would you stop jumping around in the store, boy? And I was like, right slide up, right slide up. And it's also community, like before there was skate school and breakdancing school, you had to learn graffiti, skating, like from someone else in your neighborhood, from an older male or female, but usually a male figure, teaching a younger male how to do something because we're not making shit anymore. We're not doing shit anymore. I could take my kids to the park. I taught my oldest son how to drop in. That's a fucking moment, man. I'm going to teach that to all my boys. Like that is a moment that we are robbed of. Like I'm not teaching you to hunt anymore. I'm fucking lazy. I'm not teaching you how to garden. Like, at least there's that. Oh, man. Tangent. We shot a video. Shout out to Colin Kennedy. We shot a video for this that never came out. I don't know what the fuck he did with the footage. It was probably horrible. He put it together and saved me the embarrassment of putting it out. But I would really like to see it just to cringe. It didn't come out. We went to Bob Burnquist's house. He let us use this huge mega ramp. I was going to drop in on it, but I just, you know, I didn't have, I didn't, couldn't sack up to do it. But a shout out to Bob for letting us use that ramp. It was nice just to be at Bob Burnquist's house, bro, like on his ramp. Later on, I found out he was Brazilian and friends with my mother-in-law and all this other shit. But right then, so hopefully I would have met him either way. Um, but yeah, living, he lived on a farm with a fucking, like those are things I've seen, like someone do what they love and to be able to do something really cool with the money, like build a huge ramp that you still, hey, we want to come out and film, Bob. Okay. I'm not going to be there, but okay, like, just go skate Bob's ramp. And he has all this, like, field where he grows organic fruits and vegetables. Like, that's the shit I wish rappers were doing. I wish I was 
the level of Bob was in skating and rap. Like, and that's why also I was talking against in the song. Like skating was starting to get infected by motherfuckers wearing chains and shit. I didn't understand it. Some respect skaters I respect and became friends with do it. Like I, I some of my rap friends do it. I don't understand it. But it didn't seem to last too long in skating. It's still around and rap in, in the NBA NFL. I don't get it. I get it. We can go into the 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 psychology behind it. But yeah. Wasted this whole episode on skateboarding. Track six, transition as a writer. Of course, I had to squeeze some Tupac in there. He don't personally, I'm a straight You don't want to fuck with me. All you ladies out there, come on. Clubs, whatever, don't front. You know you like the riders. Show your love. My intros are horrible. I don't like the intro for Hustle. I don't like the intro to this. I should have shut up and just let the fucking music shine. Ad-libs are horrible. And it's so aggressive. And it's so, blah, blah, blah. that's another reason. Like, And then the guy comes out a year later with a song called Kick, Push, and Coast. And away he rolled, just a rebel to the world with no place to go. And so we kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, coast. So come escape with me, just a rebel looking for a place to be. So let's kick. And it's a hit. Because he's not fucking yelling and inundating you with facts and, and all this other shit. He may not be able to skate better than me, but God dang it. I don't even know if he raps better than me. Just to say that he beat my ass in Street Fighter. Shout out to Lupe. Beat me one-handed in Street Fighter at E3. But I don't even know if Lupe's a better rapper than me. Not to say he's not as good as me. If anything, we're even. He had a better approach to that song. He had the right approach, and that's why he won. And uh, I was a little hot under the collar about that, but uh, not too much, because at the end of the day, there's more songs about skateboarding made by black people. Well, wow, that's great. DJ Drez, best skater in hip-hop. Fashion, close second. Um, don't fuck with them, and salute to them. The cannon he tucked it Underneath his banana republic Hit your man out in public Understand he was stuggin' Pitching grams he was hustling He ain't scrambled for nothing. Knew how to handle an onion Done with nickel and diamond He was getting consignment I heard Hobson could skate, but I don't know Tyler can't skate, I'll fuck Tyler up if he ever Pharrell, nope So I'm not the worst skater in hip-hop I'm not the first skater in hip-hop But it's a very important pillar in the uh, whatever it is of Merce, in the in the lore of Merce, it's definitely a huge pillar. And yes, for everyone who asks, I still skate. My skates, I have five skateboards in the house. I had to promise I have my last skateboard, my last complete. I bought a limited edition Spidey deck with um, Venture Trucks, I believe, and OJ2s. And I created the first, kind of tried to recreate the first skateboard I ever had. And that is the last skateboard I will ever purchase for myself. I am done. It is a 10 inch wide flat tank. And uh, yeah, and also I have a, a, another board of Tommy Guerrero. I've been riding for. I ride big wheels and now. Big deck, wide decks are back in style. That's great because uh, I have big feet and I still can't land a kickflip. And uh, I don't think I ever will. It's not. There's something learning. I've been trying to push on my push regular to learn, but ah. And there's something like that's uh, it's against nature to land on something that's in motion, spinning. You know, like I need the board to flip stop flat and then land on it for my mind to say, it's okay to land there. <laughs> like, I think that's what, as I've tried to break it down over the past 30, shit, 40 years, almost 40 years I've been riding a skateboard. So if you see me riding through Inglewood with a bunch of little boys behind me, that's us. We'll be us. 
until I'm gray. Never going to stop. And for people concerned, as we talk about this, this is all leading up to my final album. I will never stop rapping. I am not going to create and write and record music and put out albums anymore. I will do shows for the foreseeable future. And if you catch me in the moment, I will always want to freestyle and I'll always be hip hop. I'm never going to stop rapping or never stop writing. These are things that youth culture changes the world. Um, and I want to be in touch and be a part of the world changing. And we didn't do it fast enough. We may not do it fast enough. But if anything, I could still say for skating, for sure, hip hop is the world is a better place for it existing. Hip hop, man, we fucking walk a thin line. But I really hope that. And when it's all said and done, hip hop, it will be youth culture. Daryl from Bad Brains told me that. He's like, people always say, oh, you're a black punk band and black this and black that. It's like, but it's youth. It's youth culture. You know, because black people started punk rock and rock and roll and Bad Brains at first. He's like, I, whatever, you know? And I, I feel that, bro. Like, it is African culture. It comes from African. I need that to be acknowledged and respected. But it's really, more importantly, youth culture than it's united young people around the world. And as our generation, the first one raised in hip-hop, really starts to come to power, I feel like we won't be dealing with a lot of this bullshit if we can keep the earth around or if we're not flooded out, live, all living on one island together, whatever the fuck is happening. Damn, I thought I was going to end it on a positive note. Um, taking some kids trick-or-treating. I hope you had a happy Halloween. Uh, yeah, this will be way after Halloween. You'll be preparing for uh, Thanksgiving. I don't think I was responsible enough to press up any vinyl to mention that you guys should be copying or anything, but uh, I think there might be a toy I had in the works and uh, if you want to support that way or some, I think it's like a couple cassettes and vinyl. If you want to give somebody something merch-related for Christmas, yeah, I think that's where we're at holiday-wise. I'm about to travel a little bit. So hopefully, God willing, I'll see you guys for episode 17 and we'll still be talking about the end of the beginning. Thanks for listening to the Best Rapper in L.A. podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is. If you like the show, leave a review on Apple Music or Spotify. And to support the podcast directly, go to patreon.com slash M-U-R-S 316, March 316. See y'all next week. Peace, peace, peace.